This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And your time. Put our hands together. Hell, how, hell, how. This is what I'm talking about, y'all. It's hip hop. The stories of hip-hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who inside of them the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. All right. My name is Hanan Joplin, artistically known as HB Soul, the Policy King, representing straight from West Suburban Chi-Town, West Cook County, specifically the woods, Maywood, Bellwood. That's my home base. That's the hometown. Parents originally from the South Side. And I still got family out there, so South Side's my second home. Been all over the city, been on the North Side too. But the Woods is first and foremost always home. So big shout out to the Woods, big shout out to Third Avenue, Maywood, Bellwood representing. 3 AP all day to the death. This song followed leader, taking me back to 1988. You know, Rakim's my favorite. He's probably my favorite artist of all time. But the crazy part about it is, is that when he first came out, I didn't like him. It's weird because I was so used to listening to like Beastie Boys and Run DMC and all these loud yelling MCs. So they had created this impression of what I thought hip hop was supposed to be. And so when everybody started telling me, hey, there's this new dude out there being Rakim, man, this dude, so man, man, this dude, man, this is some next label. I was like, okay, so I'm waiting for like some loud mouth, super lyrical dude, kind of like LL Cool J or something. And I hear this smooth, laid back, chill dude. And I was like, man, this shit is boring, man. Check out my melody, hand out a cigar I'm letting knowledge be born And my name's the R A.K.I. am not like the rest of them I'm not on the list That's what I'm saying I drop lines like a scientist My melodies in the cold For every next episode Has the mic off and distorted Ready to explode I keep the mic at Fahrenheit Freedom season make them cola The listener's system is kicking like solar As I'm in my And I kept listening to it And I started listening to the lyrics And I was like, wow it's kind of deep. I ain't really heard anybody rap like this. And so then I just picked certain songs from his that I liked. I just kept listening to them over and over again. Then I saw the video for I Ain't No Joke. And then that brought, you know, the visual of who this cat was, like, to, you know, to life. And I'm seeing that he was just as ferocious as Ron and all the rest of them. But his voice was different. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm gonna make sure it's broke. When I'm going, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild. So this is crazy. Combination. He was like, he was just as animated to a certain extent 
and just as ferocious and just as intense, but he was he was real low key. So I was like, damn, I ne I've never seen no shit like this. And he kind of reminded me of the cats in my neighborhood. He reminded me like of the average guy or the average like like big time or young hustler who was standing on the street and had a lot of money, had a lot of gold and was just had this just I just can't be fucked with attitude. And if you fuck with me, I'm going to, you know, just like kill your ass like right here in front of everybody and then pick up a lemonade and act like the shit didn't happen. He just had that kind of attitude to me. So then when the second album came out and when I when I finally like drank the Kool-Aid and was like straight up in the rock him and, and big daddy kane and all that kind of stuff when that second album came out and i heard that follow the leader i was like i can't understand how somebody can be this damn lyrical that shit just blew my fucking mind i'm like god damn how's he coming up with all these fucking rhymes in such a little bitty span of time like this and it, it just sounded like he was never just gonna stop rapping and every time you think that okay because usually when people rap like that for that long you know, it'd be like eight lines of good shit and then eventually you just hit the fluff mark. And it's like, okay, this dude just trying to buy space on the album. But that shit would just get more and more and more and more intense. Brothers try another die to get the formula. But on my let just sweat, you still ain't warm. You a step away from frozen, stiff as if you're posing. Digging to my brain as the rhyme gets chosen. So follow me, I want you thinking you were first. Let's travel at beneficent speeds around the universe. What could you say as the earth gets further and further away? Planets are small, the balls of clay astray until the Milky Way. Worlds out of sight, far the eye can see not even a satellite now stop and turn around and look as you stand in the darkness your knowledge is took so keep staring soon you suddenly see a star you better follow it consists of all this is a lesson if you get to the you ball in hurry hurry step right up and keep following the leader that was what made me take rap seriously. Rap seriously in terms of the fact that, okay, this is something that I actually want to do to the point where I actually went into the studio and recorded my first thing when I was 13 and it was all based off of just listening to that, that one freaking song. And so I could remember being like up in um, English class or walking in, in the hallway between classes and I'd just be like, Fear of Fire Freestyle, Lyrics of Fury, my third eye maybe shine like jewelry. You're just a renter rapper, your rhymes are many made. I'll be here when you fade and watch you flip like a renegade. It was like, how did you, how did you understand all that sh how did you hear all that shit how did you how do you understand all that i was like man i don't know this is right there you know but it because i'll be listening so intensely and then i rewind it and i rewind it again and then i i'd imagine myself saying the shit and then you know just really getting into that whole rock him zone it was a bad motherfucker man a verified freestyle lyrics of fury my third eye make me shine like jury you're just a renter rapper your rhymes are minute made i'll be here when it fade and watch it flip like a renegade i can't wait to break and eliminate on every trade of a snake so stay awake and follow and follow because the tempo's a trail the stage is a cage the mic is a third rail i rock him the i think i probably felt the most intense because i was one of the like secretly few aspiring rappers like in the hood there was a bunch of people who after they heard cats like that they wanted to start rapping but because back then in maywood it was a, a serious like hip-hop culture and it's hard to believe because it's like you know it's a little suburb or whatever but it was real intense like you go to damn near every park and every time you go to the park there'd be some cats out there with a boom box and and a linoleum uh, and they'd be out there breaking or there'd be some kind of rap battle so and that was when we was really little so there was always this discussion it was always some type of competition who could get the latest tape who can get the latest break the latest artist who would have like ll cool j's bad who had the first copy of that and they would bring it to the neighborhood Make it say go LL and do the what? If you think you cannot rap, 
And then we had all the older brothers and stuff like that who would be going to school out of state and some of them be going to school on the East Coast. And they would bring a lot of this shit back straight from New York before it even hit the radio stations. And then there's a couple of underground stations in Chicago like HPK and WNUR. They had Street B back then. They would like leak some of this shit too because some of their artists would come from the East Coast. So when they would go home to New York and shit, they would bring all this shit back. So yeah, it was like this is this crazy competition to see who could have like the, the hottest shit. So when this so when this Rock Him shit came out, the stores was flooded, people was like going crazy in the streets. It was crazy, you know? So I can remember like back in like 87, 88, you know, that's when we was rocking all our little starters jackets and shit like that and had the Adidas suits and the um and the run DMC sweaters and I had my raccoon cap and all that shit, you know. I was, you know, the, the Cadillac Adidas. And we was really like trying to like like emulate what we saw on TV. When Rock Him came out my boy who was in high school, he had a job. He was working at the barbecue joint right down the street. So he had money. So he would be able to go out and buy the new Jaws and shit like that. And he would buy, he would spend a lot of his money on the tapes. So he bought the Rock Him shit back. And they had the Gucci suits with the, the name sketch in the back. And he let me hear it before he let anybody else hear it. Because anytime you had the music, when some music first came out, you had to be careful. Because if you let your friends borrow it, it's a good chance you wouldn't go see it again. So either you had to be able to like, look, I'll make you a copy right here and there, but I'm not letting you borrow my shit because I know I ain't going to see it again. Because motherfuckers will steal your shit back then. Shit, they do now. So, <laughs> Yo, 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 man, hold on, hold on. Yo, man, where my killer tape at, First of all, where, my, yo, yo, where the fuck is my tape at? Yo, Sean, I ain't got that piece, Sean. How you ain't got my shit, but I let you hold it, man? Yo, niggas came over to have 40s and blunts, kid. This shit just came Come on, out man, I don't got nothing to do with my shit, man. Come on, man, go ahead with that Come shit. On, man. So he let me hear it, and man, I was in the zone. I swear to God, I think that same night, I picked up a, a pad and picked up a paper, and I wrote one of the most complex shits I'd ever written. This is a lifetime mission, vision of prison. I listen. In this journey, you're the journal, I'm the journalist. Am I eternal or an eternalist? I'm about to flow long as I could possibly go. Keep you moving, cause the crowd said so dance. Cuts rip your pants, every be on the blades, bleeding the death, call an ambulance. Pull out my weapon and start to squeeze. I'm so I saw the Rock Him video on uh, BT, and it changed my whole neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? When everybody saw him, they went out, got the afro in the boxers with the part in the middle. Everybody stopped fucking with Adidas, started rocking Nike and, and Fila, and getting up, start wearing a velour suits stock you know we were still rocking the gold chains from the days of run dmc but when rock him and them came out they had medallions on their shit like run and then would just rock straight cables rock him and eric b used to roll with the paid and full posse and they used to be down with supreme team for four green all them them big time drug dealing hustle dudes and they whole thing out in new york was they would have like some type of anchor medallion or they have a gucci medallion on mercedes benz so they start rocking these pieces so then all of a sudden in the neighborhood you start seeing all these people who did have the cables they'll switch to some type of cable with a big piece on it they start getting these four finger rings and shit you know what i mean the, the big big shits over here or they have a pinky ring right here you know they get the gold watches and Rakim had a lot of props in Chicago because he was down with the 5% nation and at that time the El Rukins and the Black Peatstone Nation and the Vice Lords was real heavy throughout Chicago I mean they still still have their influence but the Vice Lords was real heavy on the west side and the Maywood and Bellwood and the El Rukins were heavy on the south side and that's who Rakim would come 
and Bill wouldn't connect with when he came to Chicago. So basically they would take his, the symbols that he was representing for his 5% nation and they would reinterpret it as being symbols of like the Black Peace Stones and, and the El Rukans. So, you know, he used to rock that big circle seven from the Nation of Gods and the Earths in the back with the pyramid and the star. Well, the Black Stones would start rocking that. You know what I'm saying? And when you go to every corner, all the drug dealers and all the gangbangers be playing rock here. I was a fiend. Before I became a teen, I melted microphones instead of cones and ice cream music orientated. So when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, complicated. Cause I grabbed the mic and try to say yes, y'all. They try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool, cool. Cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, then I jet. Then I jet to the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add all the rhymes. After Run DMC, he was like the first, like, real street dude and he just became that model you know what i'm saying the straight you know that black dude that young black people wanted to be because it was like he's street he has his own image he has money he's on tv and he's being himself and he's smart and he, he provided a model for me because in my neighborhood normally if you were intelligent you got made fun of or you got fucked with a lot so rap was the only way you can express your intelligence and still have respect on the streets. And I think that's one of the reasons I got drawn to it. Because I was like, when I was young, I was like a bookworm. You know what I'm saying? They used to call me nerd or whatever, whatever. So by identifying with rap, by getting into that, I flipped intelligence and, and expressed it in the hip hop form. And so that got casted back up off me. So yeah, I mean, he was, he was a real heavy influence from a young age. He basically... Dropped and represented for the whole, you know, black power, black liberation movement without even having to, to say it. He wasn't, Rakim wasn't all about the, you know, the red, black and green flag and stuff like that. But when you hear him, you know, that's what he was about without him having to say, like, this is what I'm about. He was about, about knowledge itself and that whole thing. But he did it in a way that didn't sound preachy, just sound corny. It was just like rolled out of the essence of who he was. You know, he didn't have to put on the dashiki and the medallions and shit like that. He just, he just rapped from his own experience, but then you got that. I came to overcome before I'm gone by showing and proving and letting ours be born. Then after that, I'll live forever. You disagree, you say never. Then follow me from century to century. You remember me in history, not a mystery or memory. I crawl by nature, mind raised in Asia. Since you was tricked, I have to raise you from the cradle to the grave. But remember. You're not a slave, those movies were here to be much more than that. But we couldn't see it because our mind was trapped. But I'm here to break away the chains, take away the pains, remake the brains, rebuild my name. I guess nobody told you a little now, it's dangerous. It can't be mixed, diluted, it can't be changed the switch. Here's a lesson if you're guessing and following. Hurry, hurry, step right up, keep following the leader. Follow the leader, I can't Follow the leader, I can't Follow the leader, I So like I said, 87, 88, I was a senior lady, grammar school, battling high school cats on the steps because I was like one of the young shorties who was really into rapping. Only the high schools was, was into it back then. And so my neighborhood was just starting to change. A lot of the white folks were starting to move out and a lot of the black folks were starting to replace them to the point where it went from like 50-50 to within a few years, it was like maybe like 90% black. So, you know, the hip hop was raining. He had a lot of people moving in from the south side and the west side, mixing it up. You know, we was getting into shit like girls and different blocks battling and actually having real fights with each other. So Rakim was kind of like that landscape. So when I listen to that, I think about my, my early teenage years, which was kind of like tumultuous. So back then, there was a lot of gangbanging going on in the streets, lots of gangbanging. I mean, every time I would come home, some cat would be getting their ass whooping or there'd be some type of shootout 
or you know it was just all type of shit and, and basically we was, we was young dudes so the only thing we was worried about was trying to party have some sex and getting into fights on the street that's that was our whole thing so hip-hop was kind of like, just like the landscape and my rapping thing for me kind of was like more so in the background but i would politic with all the other aspiring rappers in the neighborhood and every once in a while we get together and we'll do songs or we'll do a performance you know or i come see them or a battle might jump off in the court of a, of a party somewhere but you got to remember this is Chicago so whereas in other cities when you go to the party the main form of music for the youth may have been hip-hop when you come to Chicago it was some hip-hop mostly house so you go to the party and you dressed hip-hop but you dance in the house music right and then every once in a while to slow the house music down they have like a, a segment that'll be dedicated to hip-hop where they'll just play so they'd be playing house music then it'd be hip-hop and then it'd be some more house music then they end with a slow jam that was just typical Chicago form. So that's that's basically what it looked like for me as you know during high school. It was more of a party thing and every once in a while on the block kind of thing. Woke up quick at about noon just thought that I had to be in Compton soon. I got to get drunk before the day begins before my mother starts bitching about my friends. About to go and damn near went blind. Young niggas at the path throwing up gang signs. Ran in the house and grabbed my clip. With the Mac 10 on the side of my hip, bailed outside and pointed my weapon. New York is like its own little world, and it's, it, so to speak. It's a big city, and the music that was coming out of New York, even though it blew up and went all across the world and represented hip-hop as a whole, for the most part, if you listen to it, it's really speaking about New York-related shit. You know, a lot of the stuff that they were talking about when they was dropping those different sciences and all those references came out of the, the 5% Nation, which, you know, started right there in Harlem. So we was loving it because it was still like black youth music and it was it was it was who we are and it was what we emulated. But nobody really sounded or was really talking about like what was going on in the streets of Maywood or what was going on in the streets of Chicago or what was going on in places that weren't like New York. You know what I mean? So when then WA came out and they dropping a song like Gangsta Gangsta or Boys in the Hood where they describing even the scenery is a little bit different because like New York, you got a lot of tenements, you got a lot of projects. You had a lot of that stuff back in Chicago too, but you also had some areas of Chicago that was more similar to the West Coast or down South, the way the neighborhoods look, the way the people act. And that music out of the East Coast wasn't reflecting that. So here comes N.W.A. When they telling these stories, you see exactly something that you may have just went through. As hell and I want to get ill. So I went to a spot where my homeboys chill. The fellas out there making that dollar. I pulled up in my 6-4 and that's exactly how it starts. You see a crew of dudes and you're like, oh, here come trouble. And it's cool. Then all of a sudden the fight break out. And they start talking about those things that the East Coast, for one reason or another, maybe because either their experience is different or they didn't think would make for good songs, they didn't talk about that. So I think that's what made NWA more popular because they talked about real stuff that we were going through every day in simple terms. Like you couldn't help but to see it. So it's like, right, this is our life. So, and WA comes out, completely changes the way. So now, we ain't really checking for Run DMC no more. We still checking for Rock Him and them like that. But in terms of what really reflects the lifestyle that we going through is young cats, young thugs coming up. Like, Rock Him and them was like grown men to us. It's like, this is the life we inspire to be. But in WA, it was like, this is where we at right now, man. So, Brad, tell us, what's going on in your world? Your world. 
It's fucked up. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm seeing something scary. It's blurry, make it clearer. I got a funny feeling that today will be the day. That someone tries to blow my motherfucking ass away. Hey, I did some wrong in my time of dying, but I never felt the need to make the motherfucking fight. Song The Wall. I love the song so much because Scarface was basically talking about the inner conflict that was going on inside of him. And I felt that same kind of conflict because I was mad and angry about a lot of things. Wanted to be manic depressive from listening to Scarface, not because I wanted to be mentally ill, but because I already felt like something was off in me because of the anger, the frustration, and the emotions I didn't know how to deal with. I had a lot of different stuff going on inside of me. It was like I was like the super, super smart cat who was going to this private school and having access to all of these different things, dealing with all these different levels of racism every day. And then I'll come back into the neighborhood where it's just a whole lot of hood shit going on. So it's like, even though I'm in the hood every day and I'm hanging out and we having fun, I know that in order to be able to fit in, I had to drink a lot, I had to smoke a lot of weed. It was a dumbing of myself down. So it was like a conflict and then it was a lot of violence going on in the hood. So at one point I always had to be ready to fight. I always had to be ready to go, ready to roll and then going, living this completely different lifestyle during the day and upset because my father's not there and the stress from my mom and just all the different shit that's going on in my family. So I would listen to Scarface and be bugging out like, man, you know, I feel this dude. I feel the pain and the angst of wanting to go to war with yourself, wanting to kill yourself, all these different things, you know what I'm saying? I was contemplating suicide a lot because it was just like, man, I felt like a fucking alien to a certain extent. I didn't know what to do with all that shit, so it was just like, man, so I would listen to him and get deep and deep into that dark ass shit. So please help me break these motherfucking these motherfucking walls. So dropped out of college, started hustling. So I would be staying in Champagne and I'd come up here to pick up shipments and then take them back down and go back and forth. And this was during a really violent summer. Like the summer of 94 was like one of the most violent summers in Chicago history. Maybe since 74, since 20 years before because there was an all city gang war and there was lots of killings and shit that was going on in the Robert Taylor projects. So that was the year that I got deeply emerged into the hustle game and it was like, it was a real dark period in my life. Because the world was fucked from the first and having me only made the matters worse. Now look at what they did to me. That's some fucked up shit for a kid to see. Motherfucking villain after villain, killing after killing, trying to check the millions. I'm going straight to fucking sink. A fucking shame. I'm about to blow my fucking brains. But Scarface, what he brought to the game was he brought a whole different level of introspection that no other artists, none, I mean, absolutely none were doing at that time. If they were doing it, it was on a surface kind of level. Like NWA could talk about the streets, but there was no real introspection going on. You know what I'm saying? Like you'd never get past the gangster shit, the street shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you never really know who Dr. Dre was or who Ice Cube was. It was just like the, the gangster dude on the album. You know, any random gangster on the street, that's who they represented. But you never got a chance to know who they were as a person. Like they entered 
shit. To me, Scarface before Tupac was like the first truly introspective dude where you not only know about the shit that he's talking about and what he does, but you actually know about him. Because back then, like rappers weren't vulnerable enough to come from behind that veneer and he just opened it up. So The Wall was like one of those first songs to ever do that. And he's basically talking about battling his depression and just the things that's going on in his life. It's like, he says, it starts off with this psychiatrist asking him, he's like, so Brad, tell me what's going on in your world, your world. And the music kicks on, he's like, it's fucked up. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm seeing something strange, it's very blurry, make it clearer. I got a funny feeling that today will be the day that someone tries to blow my motherfucking ass away. So he's talking about his fears, his paranoia, you know what I'm saying? The things that he's been doing on the street coming back to haunt him. He's talking about the fact that all the people in his life, his women, and, and all, they alienated from him because he can't trust them, he can't trust anybody because of the game. He said, trust the bitch, oh, nah, never. I'm having enough problems trying to get my damn self together they got me by the balls he's talking about all these obstacles in life so please help me break these walls he's talking about the his, his inner struggle he's talking about the walls that's closing on in him in his own mind it's like he's almost in the middle of a episode a psychotic episode through the song and it eats him up to the point where he actually kills himself in the song he goes into the afterlife and now he's standing face to face with that part of himself which plagued him so much in life so now it's like a showdown between the dark part and the light part I'm dead. I'm finally through with hearing these fucking voices in my head. Somebody finally got me. I'm looking at myself outside my fucking body. So now I'm standing face to face. Mr. Scarface versus Mr. Scarface. We've been two different people from the start. One nigga's too smart. The other's too fucking hard. And both refuse to be outsmarted. Deadly departed. The battle's already started. Who in the fuck does that? I mean, as lyrical as Rakim was and as lyrical as Big Daddy Kane was and as lyrical as G-Rap and all these people, nobody went there. Nobody went there. He talks so much about life beyond death and all of the deep shit that we all think about, but it's really not cool to talk about in public unless you have your circle of people or unless you're part of some type of spiritual community. All these existential questions. It was like Scarface took you there. But from a street level, he was like one of the first dudes who actually got people who was like on the streets and living in the hood to really start thinking about their own existence. Like all of this, sh all these songs that came out after him by like, I mean, came out by artists after him like Tupac and Thuggish Ruggish Bones with the See You at the Crossroads. Scarface laid the groundwork for all of that shit, man. Nobody was doing that before him. Not even his own fellow ghetto boys was doing that before him. You know what I'm saying? Like Willie D and Bushwick, they was adding certain elements, but you didn't really start to see Bushwick's vulnerable side until after Scarface's solo albums came out. You didn't start to hear Willie D's vulnerable side until after Scarface's albums come out. Basically, they just came across as just these rude ass motherfuckers that you don't want to fuck with. The ultimate realization of the song is that suicide didn't even stop the problem. So he thinking that killing himself is going to stop this inner conflict, but it didn't do anything except for carry on into the afterlife. And then he has this re realization that he didn't have to climb the wall, that he should have broke the wall down. In other words, he should have met the problems head on, worked on piece by piece, really went there. And had he did that, he wouldn't have had to kill himself in the first place. So I was like, wow. 
And I just used to listen to that song over and over again. And the reason why it appealed to me so much is because right when I was in college, that was the culmination of all of the problems that were going on in my life. Like my dad's addiction was had escalated to the point where I could I barely knew who he was. My mother was going through depression and her thing and I was confused. It was like I had so much emotional shit going on that I really didn't care about studying. I just just wanted to be away so I started participating in a lot of partying and shit like that. And it's like I started feeling kinda like not to obviously not to his extent because he had some real clinical shit going on and my shit wasn't on that level but I mean just that same sense of desperation of feeling like man I wish suicide would would be simple because I'm tired of feeling confused I'm tired of feeling this inner conflict I'm tired of having all these emotions and not knowing what the fuck to do with them so that's why I could relate to the song that's why I can relate to Scarface period because he was talking about he talked about all that deeper inner shit that everybody else wouldn't talk Damn. about Suicide is quicker. I tried to break the wall. The wall keeps getting thicker. I really start to miss my mother. I'm trying to climb the wall. It's higher than a motherfucker. And how is what the sound is? I'm having major problems trying to walk around it. And ain't no getting up. I'm trapped. I really should have dropped my motherfucking strap. Cause when I think about it now, I didn't have to climb the motherfucker. I should have broke the motherfucker down. In 1993, it was like freshman year of U of I. This was when, when the wall and shit came out. I was still in school. When I would come back home, there would still be street shit going on. But for the most part, you know, I was in school. I, I knew that I could always just leave. You know, I had school. You know, a lot of my homies who was involved in that, this is their life. This is only part of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get into this shit with you, but hey, and I got to step back. I got school to do, right? So after school it was over for me, and I had actually got out there and started hustling. That was right around the time that the East Coast, they versions of the street, the gangster movement started to emerge. So that's when like Black Moon, Wu-Tang Clan, and Nas and those cats started to come up. About to cause mass hysteria. Before blunt, I take out my fronts, then I start the front. Matter of fact, I'll be on So I saw the video for halftime and I was respecting his lyrics, but there was something about it that I couldn't relate to. I was still too heavily influenced by West Coast rappers that time. To me, I could still identify with them more. And it was like the East Coast had basically kind of pushed themselves into irrelevance. You had to respect them on an artistic level, but they weren't talking about shit that I was going through. They weren't talking about shit that most of the folks was going through. They was just into the art form. I mean, that's my perception of it. Or if they was talking about some shit, maybe, maybe it made sense in New York or in Philly or some shit like that. But in Chicago, it was like, nah, you gotta keep it plain. You know what I'm saying? We, we talking about like, you know, guns and bitches and, and getting into fights and people going to kill and going to funerals and shit like that. You know, that's, that's that's the kind of stuff that, that got my attention and got our attention. It's like that. You know it's like that. I got in him, now you never get the mic back. When I attack, there ain't an army that can strike back. So I react never calmly on a hype track. 
So when I hit halftime, I'm like, you know what, this dude's a great lyricist, but, you know, he reminds me of the other typical East Coast. It's like, I didn't really appreciate the lyricism later, but I, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, he got a bunch of metaphors, but you know, who, who the fuck is this cat? You know what I'm saying? And it's dark and I can't really get no good picture of him. And it's, and it's blending in with all the rest of the East Coast videos. And it's like, eh, whatever. Because back then, because during this time, you know, Death Row had put their fucking stamp on the game. Rolling in my six folk. Great Chronic album and that Snoop album was like the psyche of my neighborhood and basically most youth in Chicago, right? So then all of a sudden, right around the time I started hustling, because I left mid-second -sem mid semester, um, which was like 1994, spring of 94, fucking April 19th. We had got advanced copies of Illmatic because my crew was the DJ and we had got advanced copies of it. I started listening to it. I was like, wait a minute, this ain't the same dude. Because I was expecting more that the, the, you know the punchlines and the, and all that type of shit, and then I started listening to it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this dude talking about some real shit. So, but I only had snippets and pieces, so I didn't finally get a chance to get my own copy of the album. By that time, I started hustling. I was out in the streets, hanging out every day, shooting dice, doing that shit. Then I so I get the album, and the first song I hear is this fucking New York State of Mind song. So I'm in, I'm going back and forth between Chicago and Champaign. So when I'm in Champaign, I'm I'm in the worst section. There's nowhere near University of Illinois Champaign. This is way up north, where it's just nothing but like projects and trailer parks and just. And a lot of people from Chicago taking refuge because they on the run for murder or they on the run because they dodging warrants. And this is just where they all conglomerate. And this is where you make your deals and shit like that and connect with people. And then, you know, pick up your bricks and bring them back to Chicago and distribute it. This is where the network is, right? And then when I'm coming back home, I'm not only dealing with the cats and... Because by the time I get back home, by the time I'm coming home in 94, all of my cats from my neighborhood, everybody's dealing drugs. And my best friend is the number one dealer on the block now. Me, him, and my other guy was, was basically the three that everybody thought was going to go to school and be the positive such and such and such. So now everybody's hustling. And he's the and he's the top dog. He's the fucking man, right? So now we come and copping our shit from him and taking it back to Champagne and selling it at double price. You know what I'm saying? So we hustling for real, right? So we actually living this life. So I listen to the fucking New York State of Mind, right? And, you know, he starts off with that super lyrical shit and then I'm intrigued by this time song because now I'm hearing him. I'm hearing him like, man, this motherfucker's a beast, lyrically. Rappers are monkey flipping with the funky rhythm I be kicking Musician, inflicting composition of pain I'm like Scarface, sniffing cocaine Holding the M16, see with the pen I'm extreme Now, bullet holes left in my peak holes I'm suited up with street clothes Hand me a nine and out the feet froze Y'all know my steelo with or without the airplay I keep some E&J sitting bent up in the stairway So I'm sitting in the car smoking in champagne And my guy had just called me talking about that a shootout that broke out on the block. And you know, when I was young, I seen my guys, you know, shoot at people in broad daylight. My guy, some girl, he let uh, use his car, came around the block with another dude driving the car. And the third time she came around, he jumped out the bushes with a 12 gauge and started letting off at her right there in broad daylight and his kids in the middle of the street. So uh, this cat came up and robbed my friend for his bike right there in broad daylight so i'm hearing all these shits and then you know and then when i'm downstate sitting in the car you know they stick up kids all over the fucking place and there's two dudes we every all the hustlers are worried and concerned and on the lookout just in case this dude pops up so i'm sitting in the car it's like april 19th or whatever i got the fucking album i listened to it 
So the motherfucker's like, okay, so he's like, rappers, I monkey, flip them with the funky rhythm, I'll be kicking, musician, inflict the composition of pain, I'm like Scarface sniffing cocaine, holding the M16, see with the pen, I'm extreme. I'm like, damn, that's some, that's some super lyrical shit. So first thing I'm thinking like, man, I ain't heard none of this motherfucking lyrical since like Rakim. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, I ain't heard nothing this damn lyrical and this visual since Rakim. But this is the part that had me just like hooked by Nas. The next shit that came, I swear to God, I thought the motherfucker had been standing with me on the block, seeing everything I was going through because it was that. So when he was like, bullet holes left in my peepholes, I'm suited up in street clothes, hand me a nine and I'll defeat fold. Y'all know my stilo with or without the airplay, I keep some E and J sitting and bent up in the stairway. My block used to have a wall of fame and it was as long as this motherfucking basement wall. And it was NJ bottles sitting, starting from the small all the way up until the possible, the, the largest NJ bottle you could find. And any given moment, especially during that time, you would catch me sitting on a stair or you would catch me sitting in a car or you would catch me hanging out in one of them little project lobbies. And that's exactly what the fuck I be doing when everybody else is shooting dice, talking shit. I be sitting up there high in the corner on my own thing, drinking some Irk. We call it Irk and Jerk. Either on the corner betting grants with the CeeLo champs, laughing at base heads, trying to sell some broken amps. G-Packs get off quick forever, niggas talk shit, reminiscing about the last time the task force flipped. So it was like, damn, he was the first MC that I felt was like fucking me. It was like listening to me. I was like, he told my story better than I could. You know what I'm saying? Especially for that time of what I was going through. So it was like oh, either on the corner betting grants with some CeeLo champs, laughing at bass heads, trying to sell some broken amps. So why you out there hustling? That's exactly what's happening. You stand there talking. Then you got these crackheads is coming up to you and they're trying to sell you all kind of shit. G-Packs get off quick. You know, we out there hustling. Forever niggas talk shit. You know, motherfuckers lying and shit. Reminiscing about the last time the task force flipped. Everybody telling their different stories about what happened when the last time the police came there and doing raids. And, you know, that's when the people, the truth stopped mixing with the lies. You know, he's, he, he's expressing it. So it's like reminiscing about the last time the Task force flip. Niggas be running through the block shooting. Time to start the revolution. Catch a body head for Houston. Once they caught us off guard, the Mac 10 was in the grass and I ran like a. So I was already hooked because, it, like I said, it felt like I was listening to myself. But this one short story that he told in the middle of that fucking rhyme, that shit was like the most vivid shit I had ever seen in my life. And I kept rewinding that shit because it seemed so goddamn real. I mean, it seemed like a conversation like I had just had five minutes ago with the dudes that I was hanging around. It seemed like it's like some cat was talking to me. You know what I mean? So he was like, once they caught us off guard, the Mac 10 was in the grass and I ran like a cheater with thoughts of an assassin. Picked the Mac up, your brothers back up. The Mac spit, lead was hitting niggas. One ran, I made a backflip. Heard a few chicks scream, my arms shook, couldn't look. Gave another squeeze, heard it click. Yo, my shit is stuck. Tried to cock it, it wouldn't shoot. Now I'm in danger. Finally pulled it back and saw three bullets caught up in the chin. I said, damn. Because I just had a conversation with this cat and he was talking about when he had gotten into it with. He started shooting and how the gun jammed and how he had to hide back and then cock it and then, you know, throw the bullets out. And it was fucked up because the bullets were steady spinning past his head and he had to clear his shit. I mean, this shit actually happened. So to hear this dude rap about it, it was almost it was a, it was eerie is what it was. That's the best way to describe it. It was like it was like Nas was some kind of specter that was just like hanging around and he had absorbed 
all the shit that was going on in every ghetto across the country and he just manifest that shit you know what i mean so i was just like wow so now i'm jetting to the building lobby and it was full of children probably couldn't see as high as i be it's like the game ain't the same got younger niggas pulling the triggers bringing fame to their name and claim some corners crews without guns and corners in broad daylight stick up kids they run up on us four fives engaging so now i'm jetting to the building lobby and it was full of children probably couldn't see as high as i be I mean, that sounded like that sounded exactly like what happened when my man jumped out and started shooting at that chicken and all the kids was around. It's like the game ain't the same. Got younger niggas pulling the triggers, adding fame to their name and claim some corners. Crews without guns are goners. In broad daylight, stick up kids, they run up on us. I let my friend hear that song. When he heard that shit, he just started going crazy in the car because... He was getting the same feeling I was. It was just like, damn. We started calling people to the car. like, And this is like Champaign. Even though it's central Illinois, it might as well be the damn South. So to have all these cats who from the so-called places like the South surrounding this car, hitting this dude from New York, reflect his experiences. It was like he was just telling our life story, man. Four fives and gauges, max and facts. Same niggas to catch you back to back. Catching your cracks in black. There was a snitch on the block getting niggas not. So hold your stash, stash to the, the coke, coke price drop. Right when he said that, it was a drought going in the hood. So for some reason, uh, there was like a big shipment that was coming in from it was coming in from Central America on a truck, Mexico or some shit like that. Got pulled over, and it was like a hundred. It was like tons of coke and weed that got busted. And so because of that, there was a drought in damn near every city, especially in Chicago. So. When he said, so hold your stash to the coke price drop, basically everybody was real tight with their shit. You couldn't really get get no sales off. Or if you was uh, able to get a sale off, people charging these outrageous prices because they didn't know when any more work was going to come in. And I'm like, damn, how, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, how the, how the fuck could he like, you know what I'm saying? Could he like capture the essence? But basically, it just let me know that the exact same shit was going on in every ghetto around the country at the same time. You know what I'm saying? It was the most, like, in terms of social commentary, to me, it was way more powerful than, you know, the shit that X-Clan and Public Enemy was doing because it was an exact reflection. The fact that motherfuckers, no matter what city you were, what type of culture your city had, whether it was New Orleans, New York, cities that seemed completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum, could relate to that shit, it's because everybody was going th through the same shit around that time. I know the crackhead who said she got a smoke nice rockin' in his bushes when you bring your customers and measurement plots. But yo, you gotta slide on a vacation. Inside information keeps large niggas erasing and they wild spacing. It drops deep as it does in my breath. I never sleep, cause sleep is the cousin of death. Beyond the walls of intelligence, life is defined. I think of crime when I'm in a New York state of mind. State of mind. Drops deep like the words in my breath, I never sleep. Cause sleep is the cousin of death beyond the walls of intelligence. Life is defined, I think a crime. To me, that was the piece that set Nas apart from all of the rest. Because even in the midst of such a damn street story, here come and drop some super metaphysical shit like that. He's talking about, you know, he talking about enlightenment and nirvana and shit like that. And he related it back to what's going on in the streets because it's like, this is what he's sitting up thinking. He's like, I can't sleep because you sleep out here on the streets, you're going to die. Beyond the walls of intelligence, life is defined. You know what I'm saying? In other words, right here, why we in the midst of this shit, 
it's not making sense. But when you go back to the essence, you can understand that this is the natural progression of this thing called life. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, right here, we just like seeing people get killed. We're seeing people get murdered and we don't know why. You know, it's like we just a bunch of fools out here. We don't know what the purpose of life is. We don't know where none of this shit is going. But Nas is like, you know, beyond the walls of intelligence, life is defined. So in other words, on a divine level, all of this shit makes sense. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the natural outcome of, of certain activities. And this is the reality we're creating for ourselves. Word is born, you got six minutes on that Jack Kittle shit is real. Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo, check this shit out, man. Hey, yo, go, give me a cigarette, man. Yo, here you go, here you go, here you go. Yo, check it out, man. Check out what I got here, man. What is that? What's that? Yo, it's a letter I got from my man Nas, man. Word is born. It was so many reasons why I related to Nas on so many different levels. One of the reasons why was the whole old soul thing. People who knew me, they said the same shit about me. They was like, even when I was young, they said I was like an old ass man. You know what I'm saying? Where other kids would be running around, I'd be observing shit or reading the newspaper or watching the news and shit like that. Just doing just different kind of shit. And like when Nas came out, that's the feeling I got from him. I'm like, it was he was a little incomprehensible mentally for me because Rakim was seen unearthly with his motherfucking lyrics. But the weird shit about Nas, which made him seem even more omnipresent, was that when you listen to his lyrics, you was right, he was right there on the street with you. He was right there with you, but he was up here at the same fucking time. You know what I'm saying? So he'll make a song like New York State of Mind or Represent or One Love. And so you know, he's like, yeah, this dude is right there on the street with you. He describing this shit exactly how it happened. But then all of a sudden, he just hover up here somewhere. It was like, yeah, the dude sounded like, he was like, how could a motherfucker who's only 20 or 9, no, 16, 17 years old when he first came out, how could a cat that's that damn young, because I know what type of shit I was writing at 16, 17 years old, and it was nothing nowhere in the realm of that shit, how could a cat be that fucking young and be that goddamn deep and have that, that level of understanding of life to the point where he can put that shit out, I didn't understand that, man, I didn't understand that, man. But now with Elmira, better chill, cause the niggas will put that ass on fire. Last time you wrote, you said they tried you in the showers. But maintain when you come home, the corner's hours on the reels. All these crap niggas know the deal. When we start the revolution, all they probably do is squeal. But chill, see you on the next VI. I gave you my Duke's loop for kicks, plus since your flicks. Your brother's buck wildin' in four main. He wrote me, he might be this case. Silly, come on, I'm playing low key. So stay civilized, time flies. No incarcerated, your mind out. I hate it when your mom's cry. It kinda makes me wanna murder, for real I even got a mask and gloves to bust slugs for one love One love, one love, one love, one love One love, one love, one love, one love Hearing him was what allowed me to incorporate that perfect balance between lyricism and telling my story. You listen to him use his skills and I was able to tell like the shit that I was going through. Sometimes I sit back with a Buddha sack, minds in another world, thinking how could we exist through the facts, written in school textbooks, Bibles, etc. Fuck a school lecture, the lies get me vexed up. So I be ghosts for my projects, I take my pen and pad for the weekend, hitting L's while I'm sleeping, a two-day stay. You may say I needed time alone to relax my dome, no phone left and not at home. You see the streets in I realized how dark my life had got. I used to like smoke weed like every day. I don't mean like a blunt. I mean like a half ounce. I used to smoke like a half ounce a day. 
I basically kept myself numb through a lot of the dark points. And then when I couldn't numb it anymore, when the pain became too extreme and I was considering killing myself and suicide, I kind of like reached out to God and like a last plea of like, please help me. And at that point, you know, it was complete surrender. I knew that I, didn't, I couldn't do this on my own. I knew my life had completely not gone the way that I wanted it to go and that I had lost all hope and I couldn't see no way for this shit to get right. And so when I did that, it seemed like the Lord started bringing people into my life that kind of helped me, that kind of piece by piece. One of the key persons he brought into my life was my father who had got clean and had got back in touch with his spirituality and kind of tried to reach out to me to repair our relationship. And so he was one of the conduits, main conduits to help me to turn my life around and introduced me to different things, helped me to learn about different things that got me in touch with what I later chose as my spiritual path and later chose as my support system and my and the different things that helped me to get in touch with who I really was and deal with all this emotional pain and baggage and shit and, and helped me to completely do a 180. Once I went back to U of I, by that time I got in touch with my spiritual path, eventually I went on to get uh, married. But it was a complete, I was living a completely different kind of lifestyle than I was back then. So by that time, I was still listening to Nas and them things, but my life, it was weird because my life started more reflecting of what I could imagine Rakim was kind of living. I was deeply into my spirituality, which was a comedic and Indian-based spirituality. So it combined like African and Eastern traditions. It was like a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation, a lot of science to study. So it was all about me. I was working a nine to five. I was going to school, had my own money. I was living legitimately. I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. It was, to me, it was all about knowledge itself and developing the mind and developing the spirit you know i was doing yoga i was doing all of these different types of practices and so basically that became my lifestyle and then my circle started to turn from the cats i was hanging with in the streets to people who was involved in different levels of spirituality so my circle started expanding taking me even though i always have that connection to the hood but it took me further and further outside of my neighborhood making relationships and entering circles with people from different all kinds of backgrounds so my worldview started to expand my relationships and my network started to expand to the point where just the, the street level shit was not really fully indicative of my lifestyle so the point i'm making is is that nas rakim scarface actually influenced that part of my life too the home of a million legends Setting. A lot of footsteps to follow, I've been stepping Mind stressing, trying to find direction, crime spreading Time precious, I ain't had rest since 9-11 I live fast, hustle like today is my last I get cast to struggles like a day on the ad Hip-hop matters, basically, it's been the theme of my life story It's actually mirrored, my life mirrors hip-hop So without hip-hop, there would be no me It matters in general because it's one of the last bastions of true freedom that exists and as long as hip-hop alive, then freedom is alive. And once hip-hop disappears, then we all in the state of slavery. Enjoy hip-hop and be free.